0: Wow, all of a sudden in my ear. Good morning, Carrie.
1: Good morning, Clay. How are you mor- doing?
0: I'm okay. Good morning everybody.
1: Hey everybody. <laughs> uh welcome to Bull TV. We got as usual never dull moment with President Trump. We're going to talk about the Comey firing. We're going to talk about Black America under Trump. Um the it is a pack a, show.
0: It is it is <sighs> I don't, even, I don't know what to do. I, we're doing our grading thing again. I really don't need but one letter <laughs> today.
1: It's quite the week. what? It is. What? And don't forget to uh, like us, Bold TV on Facebook, and uh, join us on Periscope yeah, all as the, business the usual. Stuff. All, all the that business stuff. stuff. <laughs> and find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud as usual. Um, and make sure that you share the show with your friends, because that way we can get more of what you love, which is clay and bold.
0: And caring. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And you too. Wait, Will you always remember where you were when news broke that the FBI director had been fired?
1: Uh, Not really. You don't think so? Because, you know, Bill Clinton fired his FBI director, no sweat.
0: Truth, he did fire his his FBI director. His FBI director was stealing things, was doing things that were definitely... Considered illegal, um, and also wasn't investigating him. Uh, if you want to compare the two, I think you are going to have to really, well, really do some was yoga. Was he a
1: leaking sieve, sieve? However you say He's that definitely word. not a leaking sieve. And that's was for he sure. um, also was a showboater?
0: Are you <laughs> kidding me right now? Can I grade you today? Did you are oh. you are you taking the president's arguments and using them as your own, no, even uh, though they don't actually, make any sense actually, whatsoever?
1: You know what? I'm actually just taking Democrats' arguments. We're going to get into that later. Okay, but first, we have breaking news. We have to show this. Breaking uh, news. Melissa McCarthy spotted in New York here, um, but she's breaking dressed news. up as Sean Spicer. As- we got to roll the tape. <laughs> Spicer
0: returns. So they're shooting. Just to be clear, she doesn't actually get around like this normally. They're shooting um, uh, some stuff for SNL. Uh, yes. which we don't know when it'll air. So maybe the tomorrow.
1: rolling podium is uh, throughout the streets of New York, and it's just brilliant. I know when it's I say we night.
0: don't know when it, when it will air, Ben, I don't mean we don't know what day it'll air, but it may not air tomorrow night. It may air the week after. No, we're not <laughs> sure. Ben's like, uh, Saturday night in my ear. I think I know that much. But, um, uh, but that piece for her, that little bit for her has, has been a, uh, has been. It's gold mine. goldmine. But, but uh, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting week for her to be Sean Spicer, given that he was sort of benched um, later in the week uh, this week for Sarah uh, Huckabee uh, Sanders, who um, took over the White House briefings in the wake of this Comey situation. Why do you think that was?
1: Well, as I understand it, he had been on vacation. As I understand it, speed. he had spent
0: a great deal of energy defending um, and saying that the president had confidence in, in Comey and therefore having him go back out and completely change what he was saying would have been very difficult well i mean they love uh, to flip-flop over there actually the White
1: House, I, we have a clip from leslie stalls the very first interview that trump gave uh on 60 minutes let's roll that for a second at that point the discussion turned back to some of the thornier issues mr trump faces fbi director james comey
2: um are you going to ask for his resignation
1: i think that i would rather not comment on that yet i don't I haven't made up my mind. I respect him a lot. I respect the FBI a lot. Uh, I think before... Even though
2: they leak so much? Well, there's been a lot of leaking. There's no question about that. But I would certainly like to talk to him and uh, see him. It's a tough time for him, and I would like to talk to him before I answer a question like that. Sounds like you're not sure. Oh, sure. I'm not sure. I'd want to see. You know, he may have had very good reasons for doing what he did.
0: Okay, and your, and your thought, why, why do we air that?
1: We aired that to say that uh, he's, from the beginning, was indecisive. Like, he had not said, my firm, rigid position is I will not fire him. He has my full confidence. Okay, but, but, but day see, one, see, but see, but it, it was always, always under question. This
0: is, is, this is, that right there is, bold is better than that. Because that's not, that's what other networks do. You show one clip that makes your that defends your argument when there are many, 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 many other instances of Donald Trump saying that he had confidence in James Comey. You can't just show one piece of an interview no. from November and say that that's what his position is when he has said numerous times that he has confidence in James Comey, that he likes James Comey, that he doesn't plan on uh, firing James Comey or asking for his resignation. You don't show just one of them and say that's the argument. There's a lot more. So that 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 well, piece, I take think that's that piece an imp- with an entire shaker of salt.
1: Well, I think it's important because it was his very first no. It, public was, his, interview it was his first public winning. interview
0: where he didn't know he couldn't believe that he had won, and he didn't know the answer to many things. He also he said a, he said quite a few things that in that interview that he has not necessarily stood by. Um, I mean, we could go through that entire Leslie Stahl interview. He talks about uh, his positions on same-sex marriage, and then he went and appointed somebody to the Supreme Court who would arguably vote to overturn it if he had the opportunity. I mean, you can't you can't say. I mean, that interview has not reflected the way he has behaved as president since he's been in office. And so we can always, you can always find something that's going to defend your argument. And I think that that was a little unfair to apply that that specific thing. I'm not critiquing you. I'm critiquing media in general. If you want to talk about media being biased, doing things like that is kind of what, what bias means.
1: Well, I respectfully disagree. As oh, much you? as well, I that's love okay. you,
0: Clay. Yes, we want to know what, what you, you think, <laughs> think about whether or <laughs> not that was biased or not. <laughs> Let's see if well, it blows up. Then
1: how about this? Let's play the tape of Democrats themselves okay. calling out the credibility of okay. James, of James Comey. Okay. Let's roll that okay. one.
0: All I can tell
1: you is the FBI director has no credibility.
3: You said that he had
0: no credibility. I assume that you support the president's decision then to fire his FBI director. No, I do not necessarily support the president's decision.
3: The president ought to fire Comey immediately. And this is a direct attack on the democracy in the
0: United States. I have I just have no way of understanding these actions. They're they're completely Unprecedented, and that's why I think he owes the American public more information.
4: I was stunned, and I'll say, I think we're living through the stress test of this 230 year old democracy. And if you're going to violate DOJ, DOJ policy, you need a darn good reason for it, and you better have something to say. Uh, and here, there wasn't a good reason for it, and he had nothing to say. This letter just uh, raised far more questions than any could answer. Well, it's incredibly disturbing uh, at many levels.
5: I I am worried about the integrity of the FBI. Suddenly, there is what I call a hocus-pocus move. Uh, We then move to another subject, Um, and this one is without a doubt not only explosive, but I think it also goes to the heart of our democracy.
0: First of all, did wow. we produce that in-house? Is that our uh, thing or did we get that? No,
1: we off? got that from the Internet. OK, yes. well, we didn't
0: credit it. That's why I didn't know. But that's OK. <laughs> that's OK. I thought it was pretty well done. I mean, listen, I'm not going to dispute the fact it's from that from the yes,
1: Republican <laughs> committee, just <laughs> so you know, <laughs> they did it together in well, I mean,
0: but Listen, they have a they have a they have a point. I'm not going to argue that, that that Democrats weren't saying that weren't saying one thing about Comey and now saying something different. I'm I'm not going to be delusional and pretend that they don't i will say that i think that if you look at that piece again the dates on those um the dates on those comments that were anti-comey from democrats uh were all in november and 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 i'm not saying that they were justified to say he should be fired based on what he did to hillary clinton what i am what i am going to say is that circumstances have changed since november and you haven't seen a lot of democrats in the last two or three months coming out against comey and and they have been th- their position on what he had done wrong in their posi- in their opinion back in November was different today. The reason that 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 the firing is upsetting and should be upsetting to everyone in the country is not because Comey was or was not good at his job but because it is it is almost impossible to pretend that the fact that James Comey was investigating the Trump campaign and the Donald Trump administration and his campaign officials in this Russia situation, did not have something to do with it. And the New York Times was reporting um, uh, yesterday and this morning uh, that a lot of a lot of this was stemmed from a few months ago, right after uh, President oh, President Trump was uh, inaugurated. He had Jim Comey over to the White House. He asked him at dinner, yeah, no, he asked him at dinner, and, do and I have and... your loyalty? And Jim Comey said, you have my honesty. He refused to say, you have my loyalty. and And that's a problem for Trump. And to say that Trump fired him specifically because of his handling of Hillary's emails is just one of those head-shaking, give me a damn break type moments, because that's not why he did it.
1: Well, uh, I think that, well, and, and you're right, I agree that, so I'll concede that the investigation and sort of the way this has gone down, and we have the letter um, you know, from directly from President Trump on the firing and where he says, I appreciate you informing me on three separate occasions that I am not under investigation. I nevertheless can con- concur with the decision to fire, which he quite said- Quite the odd, quite the, uh, uh, quite the odd- It is int- a, 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 in- in- an odd throw it back firing up, though, letter. Ben.
0: Let's throw it back up there, Ben, because there's another thing. He said, I have accepted their recommendation and you are hereby terminated. But- He told Lester Holt yesterday that he had already decided to fire uh, Jim Comey. So, I mean, even between the time that letter came out on Tuesday and yesterday, his position sort of changed. I mean, that that only happens when you don't... The story changes when you don't have the truth. You know, when you're telling the truth, it's always the same.
1: Look, I, I have no doubt that he already had in his mind that he wanted to do it and he got some evidence to justify what he was doing. But that being said, I do think, you know what? Bring in I guests. was going to say, these things bring in that our guests here and they because want to talk so bad. I want bad. them to say things because I I, I, I want to bring them both into the conversation. They're going to have insights. Uh, let's welcome our guests. We've got Emily Ann Epstein. She's the executive editor at Bustle. And Oz Sultan, he's a counterterrorism and Middle East policy expert. And Oz has been here on the show before. Uh, as we know, he was also a Muslim outreach campaign surrogate for Donald Trump in 2016. Welcome to you both. And Emily you work Oz. directly
0: with the campaign as a as, uh, in that role as a surrogate. In the war room with Steve Bannon. Okay, yes. So would you like to clarify that you know i was a servant for bernie sanders in a way but i never talked to the man. so but you're talking you have a you have a real yes. connection to, to
1: and let's on. let's pull in a few comments here first before we go to our guest pamela willie ackerman says it's not only about the firing you need to look at the entire picture and everything that has come out since um and none us non Let's Sorry. just say N A
0: N A S J T.
1: Yes, on periscope scope says Clay knows much more than the entire Trump oh. administration together. Okay, now
0: that's fake news. Right um, that's
1: fake news. <laughs> that's <not true. laughs> uh, and then let's see. Yes, and also that same commenter says Comey wanted to invest. He wanted more funds to investigate more fully. Then boom, Yafayed. Hmm. Oz, what about that?
4: Well, I think you have to look at what the DOJ is doing and what Acting Director McCabe is saying right now. So McCabe has come into the fray and he's basically said, we're continuing to move forward on the Russia allegations. They've put subpoenas out over the course of the weekend. Those dropped on Monday. These are going out to some of Flynn's associates. They're not letting this thing go. All right. So I think the timing of the Comey firing really comes to, look, Democrats didn't like Comey. Democrats weren't happy with Comey. Democrats aren't willing to say They're unhappy with Comey again, you know, going to the video that we just saw. But I think we need someone who's in that role that has a little bit more transparency and perhaps a little bit more esteem from the American people, especially as we're going into these investigations. They're not changing. They're not stopping.
0: Right. Well, so acting director McCabe's testimony yesterday did and he did very clearly state that they were gonna continue with this, but that's not really necessarily an argument that the Trump campaign can make that Director Comey's firing was not related to Russia because they are gonna continue the investigation. There's no way to know that he knew they were going to continue the investigation without Comey. No, he didn't know
4: that until yesterday. The DOJ was continuing this. I mean, the FBI and the DOJ work hand-in-hand in, hand in these types of things, and this this goes all the way back to pre-Watergate, back to the 50s, okay? So this, this is an ongoing thing. Now, Comey being the right person to lead this, I think that's the challenge. And the Democrats didn't think he was the right person last year, the Republicans don't think he's the right person this year, to Kerry's point. You know, there's a lot of chagrin on one side, and then when he's fired, it's like, oh, oh, we're so offended. And, and I think Let me
0: call bullshit though, because that's not necessarily true either. To say the Republicans don't like him as the—I mean, Richard Burr, my senator from North Carolina, chairman of the, of the Intelligence Committee in the Senate—very came out very strongly and said that he was disturbed by the firing of Comey. There have been several, quite a few Republican uh, senators and and congressmen and women who have said that they were disturbed by this. So you can't really say Republicans don't like Jim Comey. They—they they, they believe if I, that I he was.
4: If, if you were to do a broader sampling, I think you would find that there's. Perhaps a mixed opinion in Comey, okay, as opposed to a couple okay. senators that you happen to know. But what I will say, or the ones
0: who are in charge of the investigation. In well, the-
4: let's <laughs> let's look at it. Let's look at it this way. It's the ti- Is the timing odd? Yes. Okay, I think a lot of us will agree with that. Uh, is this time where we need someone who's perhaps new in the House, who can kind of clear the air for the American people? Sure. And I think McCabe is starting to lead that. I think we'll find some new leadership in the days coming. But this is, this is also kind of par for the course that you've seen with this new administration. I mean, I think the closest thing you have to this administration is if we had elected Ross Perot in the 90s, okay? Because the expectations... Less that- chuck stuff. With less charts. Less charts. Well, let's bring Emily to the
1: conversation. So, Emily, what's your take and what's your pulse in terms of what are millennial women saying about Comey? I mean, I think the question comes down to... Does this decision
6: reinstill confidence in the FBI? Does this chaos that's happening afterwards, is that good for the country? Is that good for people that want to see a thorough Russia investigation? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer there is no. I think that this has you know really scared a lot of people, especially millennials, who don't know necessarily what's going to happen. Um, is there any confidence that the Trump administration can find someone who's a real bipartisan voice that can put this... Russia issue to bed really flesh it out and dig in. Um, I so, don't well, think to that that's point, there. Emily,
1: I have to say, so uh, last week I was able to interview the nephew of JFK. Uh, hopefully, we're going to have him on on the show because there's a new book to celebrate JFK's hundredth uh, anniversary of his birth. And one thing he said, he was giving it. Adv- I asked him, "What advice would you give to the Trump administration?" Because JFK's approval rating when he took office was seventy percent, and then after 100 days, it was eighty three percent. And guess what happened in that meantime? The Bay of Pigs. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, this huge debacle happened, and what he said—the reason why the approval rating went up—was was because no he, media. Well, no, there was
6: media. <laughs> there was no, no social media. No, Facebook actually, the media time.
1: loved JFK. He was like Camelot. But 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 what he said was that JFK owned it. He got in front of it. He took responsibility. He looked in the camera and said, "I messed up." Um, Mea culpa, he came clean. And I just don't see Trump coming clean. Like, isn't that a that, problem? That's, Oz? Like, that's a huge problem. Why doesn't Trump just own the fact that they like he, there are lots of Russians who have, have bought real estate in his buildings? Like like let's just see what those ties are and then put it to rest. But, but there's
4: there's there's a lot of uranium that was sold through the Clinton Foundation to Russia. Okay. I mean, well,
1: well, we Clinton's don't, they, yeah, they, but
6: the
3: Clintons aren't are
6: in the White
4: House. I understand that. Okay, but so let me ask let me ask this. Let's assume,
0: let's accept the premise that that, that this was not based on Comey's investigation or Ch- Comey's leading of the investigation into Trump and Russia. Best case scenario for the Trump administration, it's a really, really big scar on their already pretty pocked record of, you know, handling things in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way mm-hmm. because the, the public, whether you whether you agree with Trump or not, the public seems to think that, you know, this was not really... Way, not, you used the word well-timed. I'm trying to think of something that was more severe than that. What does this say or continue to say, Emily? I'll let you both answer, about the way Donald Trump handles decisions in his administration?
6: I mean, I think the word you're looking for is the stinks. Um, (laughs) That's probably the answer. And I also think, like, look at the way he fired Comey. Comey was in the middle of a meeting with FBI agents and someone saw on the television that he was fired. He didn't even know. Trump didn't even have the decency to tell the man himself that he had been let go. What sort of administration is that? How is he running the country when he can't even talk to his top investigator and let him know that he's been let go and let him you know, resign with dignity? Why do
0: you think that happened that way?
4: Um, I think it goes back to what I said about Perot. Okay, let's look at the fact that Trump is not a politician. I mean, JFK, career politician, right? Clinton's career politician. Still
0: a businessman who has who has arguably had some degree of success in knowing how to run a business. Is that the way you fire folks? Well, he fired me to my face. I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah, actually, uh,
2: actually,
1: we got a tweet about that. Yeah. Ben Ratner on our show, he tweeted about that this week. James Covey and Clay Aiken were fired by the same
0: guy. <laughs> For the record, I was wasn't fired. I came in second, so I just wasn't hired. But we get the point. Wait, so I mean, did he say you uh, fired? No, he didn't say you were fired. So, but I mean, defend that. I mean, I don't know that I'm necessarily subscribing to the whole, well, this is what we would have got if we had uh, elected. Perot, mm-hmm. we didn't. People didn't want that type of leadership in the White House. They, they specifically but, 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 didn't the reason, the, elect- the reason I'm
4: bringing that up is that you have to look at the fact that you're hiring a businessman. You're not hiring a career politician. And I think Trump's perspective on this is that he wanted to create some distance from the issue because that's what he's starting to work on now. He's had one round of people that they tried to bring in. This is including Flynn and a variety of other folks that they figured out these aren't the right people they okay, figured it out roles. or
6: they were told repeatedly no, they,
4: they, they had to figure this out because think about this when hillary came in she had about a thousand people ready to be pre-cleared when we won an election night there was a big sort of, oh, my God. We only have about Trust 100 me, there was 100, a, a 100 national, yeah, oh, my God. Well, no, but there, was there, was, there was only about Definitely. 100 people lined up. What does up that say, though? I mean, it every person
0: who's... But, but Mitt, Romney, Mitt Romney had his administration planned out in case he... I mean, most people do. What does most, it say that he was
4: Reddick? There was a, a bit of a hullabaloo in between Christie and Bannon, and I think what you ended up with was a shift in terms of a lot of the roles because we didn't necessarily want New Jersey running the country. Uh, is, it,
0: is it really a good argument that... So I mean I I got I've got a certain degree of respect for anyone who can come up with these arguments for why this works because I'm listen, sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking okay from a strategic point now doubling down on he's not a politician that's a good that's probably a good angle with some of the people who voted for Trump and that's a good Emily's, reason yeah. but let's, give me but give me a, but, give me a but hold on give me a break that's not a good argument for why you run a nation the way that they're running it. I'm not a politician, so I'm going to kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Yeah. I, I, I said that directly to you, so we'll come back to you, but since she brought Emily in, we'll let you say something first.
6: No, I mean, I just feel like, look at, you brought up Bannon, you brought up Christie. What about Giuliani? You know, like he had all of these surrogates that he needed to win the White House, mm-hmm. and then he just left them by the wayside, and now he's doing the same thing to Comey. I don't, he, he I don't think leaving people by the wayside. He strategically uses these sort of puppets that can further his agenda, and then the their loyalty is questionable or they're no longer useful to him, he just lets them go and lets them rot.
4: Look, I understand from your perspective there's a lot of disdain for the president, okay? But I don't think we should have that much disdain for the office of the presidency and he's got Folks in there right now, and they are working and figuring these things out, but I will tell you, these are, again, most of the staff is not career politicians, and what they're looking at doing is three things. Bannon was focused on making government smaller. They have started down that path. Secondarily, they are interested in cleaning up this entire Russia debacle because America is watching.
0: Are they interested in cleaning it up? Are they interested in... I mean there's there's cleaning up your room and then like I did when I was a kid, there's kinda of hiding everything on no, no, the no, no. Intelligence, I mean, what, intelligence
4: <laughs> officials within the Trump administration are already saying that we understand that there was a level of Russian influence. Now what they're trying to figure out is what exactly was that, because there's a lot of untangling to do. Okay. And at the same point in time you're dealing with new Trump appointees, working with existing Obama appointees in a lot of roles. You know, there's there's thousands upon thousands of people that have to work in sync to get this stuff forward. Absolutely. And I don't think that that's worth working that well right now.
0: But isn't that, I mean, isn't that arguably Trump's fault. He has the right to appoint all
4: these positions and he's chosen not to. He has the right to appoint 4,000 positions. And how many of those has he he appointed? I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head. I don't think it's got, I don't think it has four digits in it though. But (laughs) but a lot of those people have to be cleared. I have at least 20 friends that are still waiting to be cleared, still waiting for the process of going through Congress. None of that's happened. Okay. So on one side we can say, where are the Democrats working with us hand in hand to get this stuff in the calendar so we can get these people in faster. But on the opposite side of this, Yes, he's made a couple of mistakes here. I don't know if he's the type of guy who's, you worked for him, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I arguably, <laughs> arguably, <laughs> I don't know if he's the type of guy who, who's, who's going to respond that way. Um, but I will say this, I mean, what is best for the American people and what's best for all of us right now is having a, a clear understanding of what's moving forward. And I think McCabe is starting to push towards that. And I think with the intelligence community coming around on the Russia issue, we're probably going to have some clarity in the next few weeks.
1: All right, let's. Go you want a grade? grade card. Yeah. Carrie so loves know know her grade we cards. Want. Well, and uh, we know that you, uh, in the audience, you like it too. So we want to know your grades because we want to look at two separate issues here: the firing itself, and then how it was handled. Uh, so let's do a lightning round here. First, the decision to f- to fire, period, and then we'll do how we handled it. So let's see. Everybody ready? One. Are we just going to throw it up all yeah, together? Yeah, just throw okay. it up. Yeah. Right. One.
0: I said, oh, look at, that. Hmm. look at that. We got some we got some symmetry yeah, in many, in many yeah. ways. The <laughs> only reason I didn't give an F is because, you know, it I do think that, worse. I do think that right well, I do think there's an argument for, you know, there are a lot of people in the country who don't who don't trust Comey. I don't think that their distrust is is correctly placed, but uh, I can give you just this much room on the fact that if there's distrust in that particular position, it might not be the greatest thing. But that's the only reason it's not an F for me.
1: Why is it a D for you?
6: Because uh, it could always get always could get worse. It could always it could always be even more
1: of a disaster when it comes to Trump.
0: Why should be? What'd you do? I uh, should be it's for? A
1: because the president has to has the, the right and the impetus to hire and fire who he likes, and there were lots of leaks happening. Just because
0: I, I you can they, do it doesn't make it right. I mean, that can't no, be your reason. No,
1: I mean, uh, well, no. The reason was that I think that he was uh, he was politicizing the institution, and I don't think that we want our intelligence services to be politicized you, in mm-hmm. this way. How do you say, say he politicized
0: the institution when he went he through every painstaking did. possibility to offend both sides in some way? I mean, if you are pissing people off on both sides of the aisle you're probably
1: no when you when you look at the way he was speaking and you listen to what he was saying he was saying like it or not i'm here for six years like the way he was approaching it he was approaching it like it was um like like he was entitled to it and i just think that that's uh wrong and i think that in terms of the intelligence agencies we want people who are i mean look everybody knows how i felt about trump heading into this but it's like I think the one uh, saving grace I've seen is that he's getting serious minded people around him and I don't think that Jim Comey has shown that he's got this uh, serious minded approach to this. He, he was very uh, I think just too overtly um, just just it he, he was making it about him instead of the results
4: to, to add to what Kerry's saying look on the even just go look at the, what the NSA issues were the NSA was supposed to stop collecting data on American civilians prior to Obama getting out of office, guess what they're still doing? (gasps) They're collecting data on American civilians. So I I think when you look at Comey and you look at a lot of these challenges, you know, who- Is Comey in in charge of the NSA? Comey's in charge of the FBI, but who can- I was just making sure we're clear. That has nothing to do with him. It does come to who can America trust? And I think really going through this process, I mean, look at- So we fired the NSA director too? We are still, I think they're looking at the NSA right now. Okay, that that these things are all being evaluated.
1: All right, we gotta move on. (laughs) Let's go to the actual handling of it itself. And then we'll grade that, and then we're going to move on to our next. Oh well, let's, let's
0: take a yes. let's look at the user answers on on, on that first question. FD, F D F F D F D.
1: I think most of those are claymates. <laughs> we got some comments <laughs> here from Andrew Hobson says I thought the Dems hated Comey for what he did. He supposedly did to Hillary, uh, and then Bradley says on Periscope, which we didn't show up on the screen, the Democrats hated Comey until he was fired.
0: And we discussed that, what and, you and got I didn't.
1: Whatever gone, wherever okay. that song goes. You're I'm okay. going to see it you next week, Clay. Please. All right, uh, now the handling of it. Let's grade that, and then let's, we got to move on. Ready? One,
0: two, three. Okay. <laughs> a no school, a no grade on this panel right here that would have been approved, it would have been okay with my parents when I was in school. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you gave him the highest grade, though. You gave him an average grade on C-Y. Mm-hmm. I gave him C. Why?
4: Because this is, I think this is a decision that's being made by a new president in a new role who's coming into finding his feet in politics
0: 120 days in
4: it's <laughs> listen I, I think if he can get some of the stuff that he's already started prom you know he's promised and he's started to deliver upon we're talking about historically black colleges we're talking about you know engagement in inner cities we're talking about Ben Carson's tour if we can start fixing some of these problems I think we're halfway to a better America
1: uh, so that was the perfect transition because we we're going to be talking on those very topics right now so thank you for joining us
0: Emily Ann yes. and Oz, thank you very thank much you. both for being here. Come back. We'll grade some more things. Carrie yes. loves labeling stuff.
1: No, I, 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 love, <laughs> I love clarity. I love, yes. I love understanding love diff- exactly how people think. Well, like, good.
0: Do we get grades yeah. for that last question? Did people grade uh, uh, the last question uh, on let, Facebook? Let's let them
1: collect a little bit and, and get some thoughts while we bring on our next guest. Kathleen Klein says, good points, Emily. Not just millennials are concerned about what's happening to my country. Are
0: concerned, period. Uh, what's happening yes. in my country is what she says. That's how <laughs> yes. you should read it.
1: Apologies for my lack of dramatic like kathy that's what
0: she was i can see kathleen
1: uh, and Shirley. tovar says sh- trump will never admit he is wrong
0: and we've got grades from facebook also on that um okay yeah pretty much um oh, being a claymate insults? is an insulting comment <laughs> <laughs> listen it sort of it sort of can be to some people i don't think i don't think carrie meant it as an insult no
1: no um, as in like they're just people who... She was just saying are, that, that
0: everybody, politics. all of you are watching because you agree with my politics, which <laughs> by all means continue to do so. Um, uh, let's change gears just a little bit, although knowing this show, we'll be right back down that rabbit hole within, <laughs> let's see, I'll give it three minutes. Stanley Fritz is the co-host and engineer of the Let Your Voice Be Heard podcast, and he's political contributor at Black Enterprise, and businessman, author, and political commentator John Burnett is back with us. They're both returning guests. We're glad to have them both back. Uh, and so uh, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about um, uh, African Americans under uh, the Donald Trump administration, race relations under the Donald Trump administration. Let's throw this uh, graphic up um, from the Pew Research Center. We have that?
1: Uh, every yes. time Every time I want to throw to
0: a graphic, they don't have it. Every time you want to throw to a graphic, they're right there. I feel like that's <laughs> bias.
1: There it is. <laughs> Tell um, us about it. So what this is showing is this is uh, conducted right after the election. Um, it talks about uh how black americans largely expected race relations to worsen with trump's election um but i i personally disagree in the sense that i think that donald trump uh offers a historic opportunity here because he's really shaking up the system i think for bad but also for a lot of good like in some ways bad but in i think a lot of ways uh, with some potential for good. So okay.
0: Well, as a black woman, I pray, I respect your uh, I respect your opinion on how race relations in this what? country I think are some going. For are your
1: colorblind, and I think okay. I think the country should be based on unity and ideas, not skin color.
0: Don't do the ah I thing. I don't get what? angry with Don't do the ah thing. Don't get angry with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making a point. Let's bring in our guests. Um, uh, uh, let's gra- Were we planning on grading grading this particular issue? Because I, I feel like it's important. Let, I think we should. You, want to grade? Ra- you know, okay. Okay. this, we this is what people. This is what ahead. this is what people said prior to. Trump um, right after the election, how they felt race relations in this country would be um, in the wake of of Donald Trump as a president. Um, he's been in office over 100, almost 120 days now. Do you think that we don't have to grade it, but do you think that that people have been have been right? Do you think they have improved? Do you think they've worsened?
5: I, there's no question they've worsened. Donald Trump's relations with black people is about as good as black people's relationships with police officers today. Donald Trump is ignorant to anything dealing with African Americans. He thought Frederick Douglass was alive, and he didn't understand why we went to the Civil War. There's, not, there's nothing to, to be say about Donald Trump <laughs> When did positively. he think Frederick Douglass was alive?
0: Because that's news to me and, and fascinating.
5: Yes, Black History Month. He said that? Yes, he said he's a great guy. He's doing great things right now. Oh, yeah. oh God, did he really? Did he really?
0: Why was that not everywhere?
2: I did
5: not hear <laughs> I
0: didn't hear it either. Hear We're going fi- no. okay. uh, uh, we'll to find it. Okay, yes. we'll have to find it. We'll have to find it before we, we do it, because if, it's, if, it, if we can find it, that is fascinating. John, your take on
3: the same question. Well, <clears throat> I think it's very important to acknowledge what people are feeling, and I think that survey is correct. However, what Donald Trump's intentions are in terms of lifting up the, uh, the low-income, not only black, but black, white, Hispanic, whoever's an American, he's going to uh, pass policies, starting with um, the tax reform, right, that's sorely needed to bring, one, money that's trapped overseas back on shore to pay out through dividends, which helps uh, pension funds, which helps investors, annuities, life insurance, and also gives growth capital that can also be invested in, into infrastructure, into other businesses. So I think that's extremely important. That's turning
0: the question really, I mean, and I think it, I think it goes against both of your arguments in a little bit of, in a okay. way. That's turning the question into less of a race question and more of an economic question. But is that not, I mean, that, is that not a fair way to assess it for some people? If Donald Trump's policies, his, if his economic policies disproportionately affect people who are, of color, does that make him a racist or does that make him a person who just has economic policies well, that are not Well, I want to add to that question <laughs> because if racist. you look at, if you look at
1: uh, the outcomes, look at outcomes right. are very different from intentions of the Barack Obama presidency. The black-white unemployment gap widened under Barack Obama. The, uh, black homeownership declined under w-
3: while the stock market hit record highs. Well, are we are we ignoring history, so, guys? So the reason those things... Well, let's let him ask because I asked a question and the, you no, didn't but, but, let him but answer. Reason, but I, think the, I, think,
1: I agree, though. That the I think we're
5: apologizing for a racist Trump and we're also d- just pretty much disappearing entire facts. The reason those wealth gaps increased was because of the Great Recession. And you know who was hit the hardest by the Great Recession? Black and yeah, Latino yeah, yeah. families who lost the majority of their ownership and buying power. We also know that historically, the average for a white family is about 150,000. For a black family, it's 10,000. For a Hispanic family, it's 13,000. And, and I, think the, Car- I, felt- I
0: think what Carrie said was pretty much exactly what you said. That that great I, recession. I would disagree. Well, what well, that great recession did affect black families far more than it affected white people.
5: Right but also, Obama. Which no, is no, 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 exactly. no, no, no,
3: well, no, no, no. Okay, regardless of, regardless of who. Right. he had
1: eight years to try to turn the ship around. Absolutely. And regardless were, of who were, it
3: was. There were a lot of minority. I'm going to turn people's oh.
0: mics off in a second. I swear to God. <laughs> Sorry. Let go me ahead. ask the question. <laughs> regardless of who it was, mm-hmm. If Donald Trump's policies, mm-hmm. as John believes they will, and and I have my own opinion and I don't necessarily think they will, but okay. if Donald Trump truly believes that his policies, as John does believe, will improve the standing of people who are living in poverty today, disproportionately more African-Americans and Latinos, mm-hmm. Is that not a—I mean, is, is, is that—if if he's successful uh-huh. at making the lives and the, the employment of African-Americans and Latinos and people of color— and Business ownership. Better, and business—is is he not—does he not get a pass to some degree for—I mean, he's not a racist if his policies work for people of color. Or, is
5: he? I would so call him a racist. Yeah. I would—but if his policies actually help— African-Americans and communities of color I would give him that. Okay. You got that done. Excellent. Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately <laughs> do that his great? tax plan Good. is horrible in particular for black people, people of color, and low income people. First of all this overseas money you're talking about, mm-hmm. he, would, he would allow these companies to bring back their money without being taxed for it. So they're getting all this money back for free. Then he eliminates all deductibles. So now all these families, black and brown families who are taking deductions for having children, for having homeownership, for being married, you can't do that. Do you know who that hurts? Black and brown people. He also gives huge tax cuts to the super rich, which means that you're going to have to find a way to pay for it. Munchkin has already said that he can't guarantee that they would not have to raise taxes on the middle class. Guess who gets hit by that? Black and Latino people. This idea, we can talk about economics, we can talk about foreign policy, we can talk about The Apprentice. No matter how you cut it, Donald Trump is a racist, his policies are racist, and there is no way that they help any person
3: of color unless, of course, you like living in a sunken place. Let's talk about about non-economics. No, 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 no. Hey, Let me respond to that. So first of all, no one's talking about allowing the money overseas to come back on shore without being taxed. What's on the table is a 10% tax, lowering the tax rate. So if, if there's two, is about three, three to $4 trillion overseas. So if $2 trillion comes back on shore at a 10% rate, that's $200 million. That's off the top before that money actually goes to work and infused into the market, and based upon the velocity of money, you're going to have that amount of money being taxed over and over and over with economic opportunity. So that's number one. Number two, uh, when you look at the, the tax categories that he's proposing, the, the standardized tax deduction, he's proposing doubling that. Eliminating
1: those. it's so 24000 Exactly.
3: So $24,000. Li- so, 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 e- no exactly. Because most
5: people get their, get their biggest base from deductions. That, what you're talking right. about only really helps no super wealthy.
3: What, what that comment is, is I- completely ignoring the fact that I just stated. What he's trying to do is simplify it. Instead of all these different deductions and so forth, he's simplifying and saying, you know what, instead of $12,500 annual de- uh, deduction, right, standardized deduction, I'll just double that. And, well Speaking and I think the of ignoring of that,
1: the benefit of that is that a lot of families—you have to get a fancy pants accountant to do all these little. Hey, right. listen, I don't disagree it with be that. Very no, simple. No, no. Speaking of very simple. Speaking
0: of ignoring, um, I find it interesting when we talk about this because we, we've, we've discussed this on this show and we've discussed it on other shows, you and I, before many times, that when the question of race relations comes up between Republicans and Democrats. Democrats tend to have one way of defining how the administration's working for, towards race relations and Republicans always tend to go specifically to the economic plan and the economic policy. And whether you agree with that type of, you know, with Republican economic policy or not aside, that tends to be the defense. I think a lot of people And and maybe that argument works to some degree, because if you believe that that type of economic policy is going to better the lives, and that's what I was saying to you, if you believe it's going to better the lives of people in the long run, then, you know, more power to you. I don't necessarily think it will. But I always find it interesting that no one on the Republican side ever wants to actually address the other issues that are race related and and talking about Black Lives Matter. They switch the argument over to economics because that's where they feel like they can win the argument. I'm not done finished talking. They, that's where they finish. That's where they feel like they can finish the argument. Why do Republicans not address the violence against black people from, uh, from police officers? Why do they not address the general tone in the country that Donald Trump has brought to race relations and empowering certain people who have, uh, you know, Racist feelings to feel like they've got a spokesperson. I mean, is it is it fair to change the topic to, to economics, when a lot of people would argue that that's not really the only thing that that race is racist? Black
3: people have been fighting uh, in terms of racial issues ever since we got here, and we've been fighting ever since 1964, Civil Rights Act, right? And we'll be fighting, you know, in perpetuity, right? So what my my philosophy is, address. Black issues through economic empowerment. That will bring some level of financial uh, sustainability within uh, within our communities. When you look at old civil rights leaders, Martin Luther King, uh, uh, Malcolm X, and so forth, they were set and poised to bring about a a financial empowerment, financial independence, which in my opinion has never come to fruition because we always, as, as a people, then as a society, always talk about race. Yeah, there are issues, right? When you look at Chicago, when you look at a lot of these inner cities, the first thing that's talked about are the, are the racial issues. Right? In fact, I was just in Chicago at the Black uh, Congressional Caucus Foundation Economic Summit. One of the things I talked about, I said, you know what? When you look at Harlem, that's run and operated by black politicians at a time when real estate was being sold for a dollar, did they position black people, black nonprofits to acquire those properties? Because the point is ownership. If we own the community, control the community economically, then we can actually impose that financial power to change and bring about social justice. Is he wrong? Yes.
0: <clears throat> is he wrong, really, that moment, that, that, so, that last so statement, if you own me, it, you can change that it? That very
3: last statement, you,
5: if you own it, you can make changes. However, historically, the institution of whiteness and racism has undermined black ownership, black power, and black banking, which is why you don't see a huge amount of black ownership across the United States of America. In relation to Harlem and people not buying property.
0: Isn't that what he said, though? I mean, he didn't say that white You're people kept people from doing it. No, exactly. Yeah. So, so he, just, he said no, that they were I'm not saying, empowered to buy, I said right? they're being
5: undermined by the institution of whiteness. Because in Chicago, what you're talking about, they're not talking so, about. So what you're saying? Not, that, so what I'm saying in Chicago, like the they had redlining, where you literally could not get a loan to buy or own property in Chicago if you were African American. Where they would not divert funds to certain communities if there were too many Black and Brown people there. It was very hard to be a property owner, and if you did, you were paying outrageous prices. If you were buying property in Harlem or maybe New Jersey, when they were giving Black and Latino people subprime mortgages, even if they had credit just as good as white people, it makes it very hard to maintain that property when all of a sudden the great recession hits and your interest rate
0: doubles or skyrockets. So let me ask this, because, because I think, I mean, because I'm, I'm trying to learn here too, yeah. and I mm-hmm. think that as I listen, your point makes a lot of sense, but then I come back to him and he says this, and I'm like, well, well he's right. I mean, even if those leaders in Harlem had tried to empower people to buy those properties in Harlem, uh, Clay, if they were to get some-
3: part of it is changing the culture and the mindset in the black community. We need to actually become black capitalists. But if they have a great Dude. mindset and the bank won't give them a loan, that's the president's got to
1: I want to talk about banking actually because one of my. your I thing, heard? girl?
0: You love well, some yeah, banking.
1: Yeah, specifically black owned banks. Dodd Frank, the financial Absolutely. regulatory stranglehold accelerated the demise of the black community bank. And cut them in it, half. It It. cut. It, it, they you were mean already, the thing
0: that Trump thinks that we should put back in place?
1: No, D- Dodd-Frank, mm-hmm. he wants to repeal. No,
0: he wants to the, take Dodd-Frank it Dodd-Frank was put Classical in place by Democrats. Place. Okay. It
1: was signed right. into law by Barack Obama. Right. And here's the problem. Black banks, a lot of them are smaller community banks. They don't have an army of lawyers. They don't have an army of, they an army of accountants. They can't comply with this top-heavy Dodd-Frank regulation, right. and so they go out of business. So I'm very but concerned, of, as you are too, Stanley, so about like
3: the, the jump, way to that they can't take so it like only take so much risk as well.
5: Exactly. But yes. So the point that we keep, we, we seem to be missing here. We're talking about the policy. Policy can be corrected. I'll agree with you that Dodd Frank hurt black banks. However, he's not. no, he's not no, no, it was un- unfortunately, unfortunately, it was a bipartisan product that was supported by Democrats and signed by Democrats. Who cares but who made that's, it? That's, that's, who cares? Why are we, that's are we talking anything negative? negative? Hold bipartisan. on, hold on, Let me talk about the issue. What's the point in your your point about the policy? So just on a petty note, you. <laughs> These guys are the ones that are saying Democrats made this and made that. I'm trying to say that. No, 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 I'm no, policies.
0: no, I'm, I'm and they're the ones I'm yelling at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so
5: now, in relation, in relation to black banking and, and, and Dodd Frank, when you have a system, once again, that continues to prop up a certain group of people and undermine black communities, it is hard to build power. Let's look at the, the evolution of blackness in four phases you have slavery. Then you have Jim Crow era where you could only have certain kinds of jobs, and if you had a group of black people, they were sent to jail. And then you have Jim Crow, Jim Crow era 2.0, where you could have some kind of economic opportunity, but you were still blocked from jobs, you were still harassed, you were still criminalized for being black. And now you have this era right here that has been pretty much destroyed through the criminal justice system and and the, the quote unquote war on drugs. When have African Americans had a consistent time to build wealth and be, build wealth? Pardon me, and be supported? in the way that white people have when white people had VA loans, where you had white people who can get loans for their businesses, where black people couldn't even cash their checks. I think the pieces that we're ignoring here are one, Republican policies historically have not helped African Americans. Let me change that. Do you think there's cities in the countries where the slaves, policies?
1: Do you think, give
5: me
0: a fucking the... break on that argument. I didn't know what you are saying. You
1: mentioned slavery. Yeah, I, but you can't claim
0: true. that Republicans, I, are free. I, don't, I don't want to hear that argument. just
1: more. said it's Republican true. policy. So if, in fact, you're in, fact like, like,
3: in fact, Republicans policy. introduced a first civil rights bill in 1957, but,
6: but Lyndon Bain Johnson, he yes. head oh the Senate,
3: pushed it back down to Senate and stripped it.
5: There must be some really good real estate in the sunken place, because you were just talking all of the All Lives Matter talking like points. I mean, it's
1: just
0: it's just, this is, this just, it's just, it's ridiculous to assume, to that those Republicans would be Republicans but today, but or to, that Democrats to today would be Democrats. when you have Republicans who are, Jeff
5: Sessions just put out a sweeping note saying that you should be charging people the highest penalty and going for the longest sentences for drug charges like marijuana and small possessions that Eric Holder had repealed. Do you know who that affects? Black people. Do you know who does most of the, the crack in America? White people. Listen, we can talk about the economics, but we have to address the fact that historically black and brown people have Ar- gotten arguably historically, arguably historically white black people, and brown people being affected. Or, no, or, or, no, 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 no. John, John, that, listen, 2% is 4, it's not been, 47. That, that historically, historically, historically African Americans the have been the ones who have gotten the brunt of the stick when it comes to negative policy. Policies. You can't tell them, you can't say, well, why aren't they buying properties in Harlem and why aren't they doing this when we're ignoring the fact that literally there have been policies, there has been a culture of racism that has set people back. And, and no the one's denying way, that. There's,
3: no, you're actually I'm denying I'm not denying that. that. Well, let me, well, let, just, let's, let's go I with just, that for a second. I, I just want to approach it let's, and solve it. You have to address let's go it. Let's go
0: with that for really. a second because we're going to have to wrap up. But before we go, because I've, I've watched some nodding every once in a while when you two have been talking. Mm-hmm. It's not happened very much, but <laughs> I want, before we leave, before we leave, I would like for both of you to cede a point to the, other side, to, the, to the other one of you is that what is something that each one that he has said that you actually believe he's right on and the same thing for for you well he's said
5: a thousand things 99, 999 of them are wrong. Well, that's not Democrats. what I asked for. I didn't I was, ask for was, negativity now. Play, I'm trying to be petty. Let me flourish in my pettiness. So,
0: <laughs> At least he admits it, right? <laughs> come on, It's the third Listen. confession
5: now. <laughs> black petty feminists. But I think that he is right when he says that Democrats have failed the black community as well. And I think the reason why is because everyone, especially you two, are ignoring the historical process and the impact that racism has played in undermining black communities. And you can't address economics or anything else until we finally address the fact that racism is a huge black cloud over African Americans. Okay, so
0: he seated the point that Democrats I want to do it without a butt at the end of it too. Right. He seated the point that, that However, Democrats have not done have not done a good job for race
3: relations either. Yes. Cede a point to him. And, and and what and I agree with you that there are issues. I'd be a fool if I didn't, right? There are issues. What I'm saying as we're addressing social issues. Let's simultaneously bring about a financial empowerment element. Sounded like sure. a butt to me, but what, so I'm what I'm saying is. So, 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 I, uh, so I'm saying you can do both. Let's not lose the argument that we have to raise the financial literacy. You know, we, just coming in, we, we had a, a, a sidebar, right, in the, uh, in the green room. We were talking about investing into Twitter, investing into different things. How many, on, uh, how many people in the black community on an average, or you know, any day, any given day, talk about investments? And let me tell you, I don't just talk that, right? I actually live it, not only for myself, but I teach kids. There are certain apps, right? That, of course, the kids don't have money, right? But they can learn. <clears throat> I had, I had ser- several kids during, during the summer throughout the year. Embrace an app, invest, what do they invest in? Things that they know. Twitter, Snapchat, so forth, right? And then the kid was showing me, look, I have X number of gains, percentages, right? So, so we need to change the culture. Start with what you have.
1: Yes, I we think invest too
3: much point. into. We, we, we appreciate. I mean, I we, we, racism. we we invest no, that's too much. How's that racism? No, no. no we no, invest sorry, too. We, we invest you. too
5: much into right. depreciating asset. I think you're right about investing into the communities, but I also think we and need to address. It racism. So now if, I agree I, if, in, we the, do. in the spirit of working with you, we need right now, to play you Right go. now I agree. Right now we're criminalizing marijuana. Meanwhile, Colorado has seen an explosion in their economy because they legalized it. Why don't we legalize marijuana in the United States and then for the people who are selling it and were criminalized Erase those charges.
3: there's a topic for a day more 2nd one topic. more second one more second we will go to that topic <laughs> yeah oh, so no, one we more we second go legal, when, it when it is when it is legalized what we need to do is give those that were criminalized for it an opportunity and license to sell it Stanley like about that
0: Stanley agreement. Fritz and John Burnett Jesus help us God in heaven thank great. you guys very much for joining us um, uh, we, uh, we'll certainly have you both back, back. <laughs> we'll put one over here and one over there so that and i 'm going to have a switch for microphones um, thank you guys very much for being with us we'll take this comment real quick um, uh, from Linda Daniel on Facebook we can, we only talk about race in our own particular bubbles, which I agree with but and I that's, what, that's we're what we're doing yeah, yeah, yes, we're, we're, trying, trying we're trying we're trying real, real hard
1: that. and uh, John Rutecki says I just wish they talked about about the poor, not about race as much. Most poor happen to be non-white. I think uh, now we're that's getting back to
0: into the, the, de- to the debate again. So let's transition okay. into our Bookster segment. <laughs> just throw up the no, graphic, it's please. Really great to have those it two. is. No, it's we'll great. I back. love it. I love yes. it. I just hate that we don't have. You know, we need to make no, the they, we, have, you know, we need to make no, the whole hour a topic. Sometimes. They
1: just shook sometime. hands on. I know, and they're, they're
0: hugging now. They're, hugging. they're <laughs> hugging. Look at them hugging. Bookster segment. Sarah Hill's <laughs> out sick today. She's <laughs> not feeling well, but um, we're happy to have our a fantastic author with us. Paul Kuhn is a writer and political analyst um uh david well, kuhn i don't david, know uh, david david, y- paul. david paul kuhn yes. goodness yeah. learn how to read
2: well, with that accent you should, know the dude's uh, name. I should
0: be i know it should be <laughs> it's always mary beth or mary elizabeth or something like that that's what i'm used to david paul kuhn tell us bless
1: his heart you've got to, it's a novel
0: it's a novel it's a novel um, so so um, uh, and but it's political at the same time so tell yes. us a little about oh
1: it. and in, in disclosure uh david and i work together a politico uh, a so yeah or yeah. do we ever actually Work in this, maybe for like a week we overlap. Maybe we
2: cross paths. Yes. For a brief, yeah, I saw you at Fox. Like in this industry,
0: that's like being cousins.
1: Basically, right? yes. That's yes.
0: a long exactly. relationship. <laughs> what made you want to write a novel instead of a book about, you know, uh, instead of a nonfiction?
2: Because novels let you get to larger truths, right? So you can, um, it's not that nonfiction is very important, and my next book probably will be a Return to Nonfiction, but novels allow you to get to something deeper in the human psyche and in our own experiences. and... So, even the title, right, we, we in news we have this newsworthiness, but really the title's about um, what makes us feel worthy, what in our work, uh, what, what, like, in, and as we go about our lives in our work, what, um, what can we do to, um, to, if we're going in the direction that we don't want to, what can we do to change the momentum of our lives and find and what we're doing makes us feel worthy. So what's your story? What are the
0: characters, how are they figuring this out?
2: (laughs) There's two, the characters are many. There's two main characters, Kate and Taylor, and one is at the New York Times and one is at a new media outlet.
1: Uh, Thinly disguised as Politico, but yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So many have said. And really, if it was political, it's those formative years when media was being upended, or maybe right? it's an just, amalgam-
1: amalgamation of Politico, BuzzFeed, and yeah. Post. Either
2: way, it was this very peculiar time, two thousand pre Obama era, just coming into the Obama era when media was being upended. The old by, media was by the internet, b- by the, yeah. But it's not that the internet had been around for ten years, but new media had come into its own, and nobody, The Times has caught up, and in fact, most of their political reporters are former Politico. And employees actually. But at that time, nobody in Washington was going to the New York Times to know what was really going on in politics. They had lost their grip. And I use them just as an example. This was certainly true of the Post. The Post has revamped in many to many degrees as well. And that has changed because much of the old media is caught up, and now it's really all the same. Everybody's reading on their smartphones. Um, So the the novel takes place where there's a reporter in in this old media world, and there's this reporter in the new media world, and then there's two presidential candidates. And ultimately, you see uh, the, the reporters start to question their own work, but you also see... The politicians lose hold of who they are, and um, all of them are sort of digesting and being digested by the tabloidization of politics and the tabloidization of media. Obviously, I wrote this not knowing Donald Trump was on the way, but um, I think it raises certain ideas that the media hasn't looked in its own mirror about how much Trump was a creature of them. Rather than well,
1: um, And so I know, David, I, a lot of people who, uh, so this is with our, our bookstore community, uh, millennial book enthusiasts and a lot of aspiring writers. This, when I read your book, and it's an amazing book, I recommend it. It's, it's very well written. It, it moves very quickly. But because I know you, I was like, this is pretty much semi-autobiographical. But did you ever feel like you were at risk? Because I know you were very, you write some pretty, I think, searing critiques of just basically Politico. Um, or just the, you know, the, the, the political uh, machine. Um, did you ever feel like you were f- afraid about that?
2: I had come to the decision I didn't care about what was across that bridge that I had passed. Uh, at the same time, I certainly, one of the five most influential columnists in the country, didn't want to touch the subject because uh, she was concerned or he was concerned about what was being written. Um, about who was being, who was in proximity to the characters. But I mean, I don't want to dwell too much on the Politico because it's also, as you remember, Carrie, it's also, ro- there's also a romantic story. There's
1: love interest, and,
2: Um yes. And I don't, and I think that it's not, although it takes place in a world of politics, and I definitely wanted to get through ideas about what's happening to media and our politics in this novel. There's a very human element that I think a lot of people can relate to, especially since your audience is millennials, about as you're choosing your work or perhaps as your work has chosen you, um, that's just because you're succeeding in something. It's not always right, and sometimes it's important, as we get taken to uh, to really second guess or at least consider whether you're um, whether the momentum of your life is carrying you in the direction you really want to go. And so the novel is much about the politicians and especially these two reporters considering those qualities and those questions, really because they're both nearing the age of thirty, and sort of that quarter life crisis period in, in some people's lives. And so, titles usually have, have multiple meanings,
0: right? Yeah. So wh- how did you how did you come across how did you come upon this one, and what does it mean, not just for the story itself, and the, and the fictional part of the story, the story, but the
2: the greater lesson you want people to take well, from it? Well, what makes one's life feel worthy, right? And that's something that these characters are grappling with. That's something that the characters are grappling with, are. And, and the politicians mm-hmm. because they have to do certain things to win the presidency. And that's all based because I became very close with some presidential candidates over the years for different reasons. And I saw how they, too, um, are consumed by the process and often are willing to make many personal sacrifices to, to win.
1: And what about the, uh, the aspect of journalism? Because I know you've moved on from journalism and now you're in a different industry. Um, but in terms of uh, the, the, the notion in your book that you write about that The story, you you push it as far as you can, and you walk it back if you have to. So you'd rather be first than be right.
2: That's right, that's right out of the novel, that's right. So that was one of the big changes, right? It was more important to be first than be deep. And as with all things, people adjust. It's almost so much a part of our reality now, five, eight years later, that we don't even question it. But the placing speed first, placing, the flashy headline first, I mean, it's still, we're still, as much as the media, because today, for example, in Washington, it's found its place because it's got its a, an antagonist that's A very easy antagonist to feel righteous about, and justifiably so in the president. Whether you're a conservative or a liberal, there's a lot that's going on that you as a reporter can find your place and for once, I think for the first time in modern times, actually see the president and politicians in what is the proper role of reporters, antagonistic terms. You're not there to be friends. I have very little optimism that the media will maintain that role when the next president comes. The Washington. antagonistic role. Yeah, I have very little optimism. The media will return, will, will well, not return and, and to yeah, that I mean, to I, that I, role because pro- proximity in Washington. Oh yeah, to your sourcing is a is a very deep problem. It's Sorry, people as people are knows. like
1: um you know best man in someone's wedding or a bridesmaid, and you're supposed to be reporting on them. So I actually think, to some respect, in some respects what President Trump is doing with the media. I don't think that he's doing it in a healthy way, but I do think that there should be more of a separation to say, we're going to be a watchdog on this administration versus I'm going to be in bed with them, which really happens on Capitol Hill as well, Some a lot of times literally even.
0: Well, that's how the entertainment world's reporting goes. I mean, it's very symbiotic. And I find, as, we're, as I'm listening to this, that it's fascinating we're talking about this almost in a way almost as if though it's a non-fiction and and i think it's important to remind people that it's (laughs) not but i want to ask you about about the role that that not the entertainment world plays but that the fiction world in general can play in progressing society or issues uh you know we see a lot of we see a lot of movies and and tv shows now that are very much about the political machine, their fictionalized mm. uh, uh, sure. characterizations. Do you think that that you can get more done as far as social change
2: with, with fiction than you can with uh, nonfiction? Sometimes. I mean, you cl- clearly can in television. I mean, there's no doubt, and there's been this flourishing of political television, and some of it, some of its degrees are problematic. But everyone says that about their own industry. Um, I think to return full circle to how we began this segment. Novels allow us to get to larger truths, and it's very important to put down your phone, if I can speak to readers out there and how they should, you kids should be reading novels. (laughs) Um, It's really important to put down your phones and find time in the day to not just read nonfiction, but also novels, because you're going to find yourself getting inside of people and bursting bubbles and if you are only reading novels that don't challenge you then that's unfortunate but at least with novels because of the pacing it's easier to go someplace else and you can humanize some and of you these can humanize it that. and as you see i think as you read this novel you see that there are certain characters especially one of the presidential candidates who ends up in a place where he's, he or she is scum but you kind of see what else about that character you did once love it's multi-dimensional. And, and I think that it's, it's important to humanize um, what is often a two-dimensional world of politics and we get into these left-right debates or out or Main Street, Wall Street debates or Main Street, K Street, K Street being lobbying of Washington debates. And you, you see how the process corrupts those who went into it for the right reasons, right? Now, at the same time, it, the novel explains a lot of the deeper problems in our society because you see these the party, book begins at a book party, where reporters and political aides and politicians are inside a, f- a townhouse that Andy Warhol used to live in. Right, that's based on my own experiences, and what you, and it's so a part of our reality now <laughs> that reporters are no longer, you know, right in this area near Penn Station. Used to, right, used to be, that near, we're near the hub of the old daily news, now there's the new daily news, but the, 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 all these tradesmen, all these, this world where reporters were, and politicians, or at least reporters and the political class were at least more separated in the sense that reporters were more able to find the role. And what I find is the reporters, as much as the politicians, are now as removed of, from most of America.
1: Yeah, I and think, you I, think that that's right why, away. I think that's what Donald Trump showed was that a Absolutely. lot of the reporters have become, it had become a professionalized class. Whereas before, like you said, it was blue collar and now it's a bunch of Ivy League snobs, um, you know.
0: It is. In their in did, you so. said, did you just see the point that Ivy League folks can be snobs?
1: Some of them are. <laughs> I, I don't really talk no. about it that much. What?
0: Okay. Thanks. Anyway, that's a topic for another day too. But I you know, I appreciate the fact that you that you can humanize something through a novel and, and in ways that you can't, uh, with nonfiction. So what makes it worthy? I'm gonna go get it now. I'm fascinated. I love political uh, I love political anything but but fiction. I think is, is a fascinating way to, to impart some of that information. So What Makes It Worthy, David Paul Kuhn. Pick it up. You can get it on Bookster. Um, you can get it anywhere you, you, you can find a book. Um, thank you very much for being with us today, Thanks David. Thanks for having me. Thanks. You've read it.
1: So I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's a great read. What's your mm-hmm. favorite novel, by the way?
0: Oh, God. Right now?
1: think about it. I haven't we'll, think we'll, uh, it was, yeah, on the we'll spot. Give him some time. We'll put it on yes. we'll
0: put it on bold or something.
1: Yeah. okay, cool. We got a comment here from Kathleen Klein sad state of affairs to care more about being first than being correct. Real facts. When I worked for the United Press International, our tagline was be first but first be right.
0: I think it's interesting. I never really I mean I, I I'm I think he mentioned something about how it's become normal lies to us that we don't even think about it, but when you do stop for a second and think about it, something that's incredibly obvious, which is yeah. In this world where, in the Twitter world, in, the, in this world where you throw stuff up on the website as quickly as you can, you forget that, yeah, that is the primary motivation for people. And how many times have we seen over the course of the last five years, some news organization, 24 hour news organization, and all three of them have had the problem where they reported something that they ended up having to walk back because it yep. wasn't exactly right because they were more interested in being first. And so, you know, he, he, make, he makes this good point that we forget that that's possible, uh, until you really stop and think, wait a second. Yeah. It's not always about being right. It's always about being that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Well, go get the book, uh, this weekend. (laughs) Good weekend reading. It's supposed to be rainy here in New York, wherever you are. Hopefully it's not going to be rainy, but even if it isn't, uh, get the book; it will be something good to read. Um, uh, feisty, feisty yeah. convo today.
1: Yeah, Whew, I'm gonna have to start pads?
0: wearing wearing armor. Your
1: sweaters too. It's, it's not too well. Hot I, now.
0: I know. I just I need some padding <laughs> in order to survive. Ooh, next week it'll be probably feisty again. Bring bring headgear of some kind. Yes. <laughs> we'll see you here on Tuesday at nine with Bold Business, and next Friday, Tuesday, uh, next Friday at ten. See you guys.